Hi, welcome to Ask a Pastor. This is a podcast uh, that we're doing and delivering in different mediums, some on Facebook, some on social media, Instagram, uh, different places like that, as well as on Word FM, on the TV. I think it might even hit from time to time uh, to interact with questions that you submit, that you say, hey, I'd love to hear uh, some people who are in ministry, who have studied theology. I'd like to hear them address this. And so uh, thank you for all the questions you've been sending. You've sent so many that uh, we are having quite a backlog, so it may take us a few weeks to get to your particular question, but we'd love to get to it, and thanks for just continuing to do that. So I'm joined today by Brady Randall. This is Brady. Brady serves as our campus pastor for our Butler location. Uh, Brady, uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on in Butler. Yeah, really excited about God, what God has begun in Butler. We just had our grand opening in our new location, kind of at the epicenter of Butler, and uh, truly believe that our best days are still ahead. So just really privileged to be a part of Orchard Hill, and especially what God's doing in Butler County. Yeah, and you grew up in Butler, right? I so did. You are born and a, raised. almost a lifer, not quite, but that's uh, right. That's right. Yeah, that's that's exciting. And Brady's doing a great job there. Kay Warheit, uh, also a Butler kind of resident who served as our women's ministry director here uh, at Orchard Hill for years, is part of the staff there in Butler. And um, Susan, Brady's wife, leads a lot of the worship there. It's just a great environment if you're out that way. A uh, great thing to check out. So, Brady, here's a, a question that uh, somebody sent in. Uh, it said this, what is the church's reaction to marrying people who already have kids, specifically kids that they had out of wedlock? What should people do before they come to ask about marriage? Mm. That's, a, that's a great question and uh, one that I resonate with because if you want to be a part of a church community, you want to know how does the church feel about my situation, and that can be kind of awkward as you're coming into a church and not sure if the church accepts you and all of that. And uh, my my first reaction before I would go there is to always look back and say, well, what is Jesus' reaction? Um, one of the things I'd say is that we encourage all of our couples um, to go through premarital counseling, either with a pastor on staff or a counselor. And one of the things that you'd walk through in that counseling session is, well, what is Jesus' ideal marriage that he lifts up? And you look at some scripture. Uh, but the reality is, even if Jesus wants us to come to a marriage both totally pure and blameless, the reality for almost all of us um, is that we come with warts, whether it be sexual immorality or pornography or lust or a past marriage, whatever the case may be. And what I really appreciate about Orchard Hill is that Orchard Hill strives to be a church of grace and truth. And, and part of that means is that we realize that Jesus offers forgiveness and a chance for a new lease on life. And if the couple is willing to maybe sort of repent or walk through some issues that they've had in the past, uh, that we as pastors are willing to walk with you. Um, one of the things that Orchard Hill also has is life groups, and I believe we also have blended family life groups. And so not only would we walk with you through premarital counseling and, and during the wedding, uh, but also after the wedding, you know, when, when you're living this out with kids and, and so forth, uh, we have life groups of people who have gone through the exact same thing that can kind of walk through you through this journey. And so that's, that would be part of my counsel to a couple. And, and that's awesome that you want to be a part of a church community, especially a church like Orchard Hill. Yeah. Yeah. The, what I would just simply say, you know, to the question, how does the church feel about marrying people with kids, especially kids that they had pre-marriage is, 
we'd love to marry you, be engaged in your um, process. Uh, as Brady said, uh, there's, there's ideals and there are also situations in which we come and whatever situation we come in, um, that becomes our reality. And as a church, our goal is always to point people to Jesus, but to walk with you from wherever you are. So we love kids period, wherever uh, they're coming from, whatever the situation. And I think it would be a, a travesty in any church to say we wouldn't want to do a wedding for somebody who has a child, quote unquote, out of wedlock. Um, I, I know the fear sometimes in some churches are if you do that or if you throw a baby shower for somebody who, who has a pregnancy that is pre-marriage, is that somehow you're setting an example to all the future generations saying this is okay. And my answer to that is, is we're going to celebrate any life that God creates under any circumstance and we're going to embrace that. Uh, now having said that, as Brady said, wanting to be a church that, that says we walk with you wherever you are, we also won't shy away from saying, but here's God's ideal. Here's the best. Here's, here's what God wants. And, and we think by doing those two together that, that, that we can honor God and it doesn't in any way shame or diminish somebody who comes in less than the ideal scenario um, to say we recognize that, that not everything works exactly according to the ideal and therefore we celebrate and embrace every life because as soon as that life is created, it is God's ideal mm -hmm. uh, to say we want to celebrate that and embrace that. So a lot of times if you come to a service that has our dedications or baptisms, um, I, I think last year in Wexford, I think we had about 65, 70 kids that were either baptized or dedicated as infants. A lot of times you'll see single parents or parents come where, where they're not married and we embrace that and don't say you have to get married before we'll baptize your child or dedicate your child. We, we, we don't put any of those stipulations there because, again, we recognize that that's a moment of worship for somebody to say, regardless of how we got here, we're worshiping God by presenting our child today. And so, again, I realize and I've taken some criticism on that from people who say, are you sure that, that, that that's a good idea? Um, and my answer is always, absolutely, that's a good idea. So, mm -hmm. so anything else, uh, Brady, to add to that? Yeah, I remember when I, when I, got, when I first got married and uh, when I was going to go into ministry, I remember asking my pastor who married us, how do you deal with some of those situations and, and divorces and things like that? And his, his response was sort of comical. He said, so Brady, how about those pirates? Mm -hmm. And um, it, it's one of those things that, that you want to walk in grace and truth. And you come out of seminary and you think you have all these ideas of this is the way it's going to be, black and white. Uh, and the reality is, is that we just got out of a series about messy families. And, and scripture is full of messy families. And so I would just say to that couple or to that family, join the mess, you know, mm -hmm. join. This is not a, a church that is full of perfect saints, uh, but people who are in need of the grace of God. And so I would just say, you know, welcome to a church that, that opens up its arms to welcome you. Yeah. Here's a question. It seems so many Christians interpret the Bible differently. How can I know if the way I'm interpreting it is right? How do I know the people I'm listening to are interpreting it right? That's a really good question and one that has really stumped me. Um, when I was in seminary, there was a particular issue and I had two professors, one both who, who supposedly love the Lord and 
love the scriptures, and they came to directly opposing viewpoints on this one particular issue. And I said to myself, I asked myself, how could two Bible-believing Christians come to two different conclusions? And so that's, that's really difficult. And, and one of the things that I would say is, as you dig into the Word of God, uh, my encouragement to you would be to say, God, lead and guide me into truth. That, that would be my first response, is to have a spirit of humility and dependence upon God and His Word and the Holy Spirit to lead you into what He says. Um, the other thing that I would say is, we have 2,000 years worth of Christian history and interpretation. Uh, that, that people, Christians throughout the ages, have looked at these same Bible passages that, that we now look at and study, and they've had something to say about them. And so that's worth also looking at that as well. Um, and then the other thing I would say is that it's really helpful to, to not just look at Scripture individually and come up with our own interpretations, but to read and study Scripture in community. And one of the things that we highly value at Orchard Hill Church is life groups. And life groups are a group of people who come together to study the Word of God that we've just looked at at the weekend. And sometimes that can be a really, really helpful and important um, opportunity to hear what, what somebody else has heard and read in the scriptures. And it can also help you balance maybe something that you thought someone else can come alongside and say, well, I'm not sure it's, it's that way. And so um, I've often been really frustrated because I've had a lot of questions. And my encouragement to you would be to be patient, um, that the Lord, even though I want an answer yesterday, uh, throughout my years of walking with Jesus, sometimes God gives me clarity, even years after I had the question. And so that would be my, my encouragement. So let me ask you this. What's, um, what's something you believed, say, seven, eight years ago that you've changed your mind on? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I think one of the things that I, I, was, I was pretty adamant about was um, God not desiring uh, the marriage for a divorced person. I look at some mm. per things in scripture and it says, you know, the only reason I would permit a divorce is in sexual immorality. Um, but as I've gotten to kind of look at that, that word in the Greek, porneia, uh, ask some other pastor friends, walk through some people who have been married after divorce, um, not that I've so much changed my mind, but I've, I've, I've been opened up to the nuances of Scripture mm -hmm. and realized that maybe it's not as black as, and white as I originally thought. So that would just be one area I think that God's kind of opened up my, my understanding and, yeah. and so forth. And, and the reason I ask that question is because I think sometimes what, what we do is we, we say, okay, there's an interpretation, there's a right way to interpret it and a wrong way, and that's the way it is. And in a sense, that's right, because there can't be uh, hundreds of answers to the same question, especially with some things, like, like, like take the issue of, of say, baptism. Um, it, you, know, you might say, well, you, know, you could baptize this way, that way, and we kind of do that at Orchard Hill. We, we actually embrace two traditions. Um, but you still would say, well, one of these has to be closer to the way to actually understand the text. And so uh, w what I would say is, is when you say, how do I know if I'm interpreting it right? One is, I'm not sure you always are, and I think that's humble and appropriate to say. To say, the best I can do is say, I've studied this, I've looked at this, I've done my best to interpret this 
right now, given all that I have. And it's okay if somewhere down the road I say, you know what, I've changed my mind on this. Now that I've studied it more, now that I've looked at it more, now that I've lived more, I've come to this conclusion instead of that conclusion. That doesn't mean necessarily that you were even wrong before. Even if you come to another conclusion, it means you've grown in your understanding. You've come to something new. Where, where I think it gets tricky and maybe it's important to, to try to um, stick um, closer on this issue is, is whenever we start to say, well, there's just lots of interpretations and any interpretation will do. That becomes dangerous because what some people do with this, this issue is they say, well, since Christians disagree, I can pick and choose whichever interpreter I want, whoever, whoever's view I like on that. And there's Christians who believe all kinds of stuff, so I guess I can be free to choose. And, and what I think is important is that we're actually constrained by the word, not by saying there's a lot of interpretations and using that as a justification not to study the word, interpret the word, and say I'm bound by what it teaches. Because what we're really trying to do is say, I want my conscience to be bound by what the word of God actually teaches as best I understand it. Yes, there are different interpretations, different views. I'm going to learn from all of them. But at the end of the day, I have to stand before God and say, I studied this and I came to my conclusion. This is what this means. And as long as I can do that, um, then I say, okay, I'm doing my best to interpret it. Uh, now, having gone to grad school, seminary, worked on you know a lot of stuff, I feel like I have some tools for that. That, that somebody else may say, I don't even know where to turn. How do I know? What I would say is, and, and this is where I think what you said, Brady, is outstanding, is, is we do have thousands of years of church interpretation of the scriptures. So if there's something that's brand new, mm. um, there's a chance that, that, that there's a reason the church didn't interpret that way for thousands of years. And it's the height of arrogance to say we modern people know what thousands of years mm. in, in church history didn't know. Therefore, we have it right. They all had it wrong. And, and studying it in community, saying... Um, hopefully part of what you'll do is you'll become part of a local church and say, as I become part of that local church, if, if I concur with, with the overall approach of the church, then to say, I want to be shaped by that, by that church, by their interpretation, mm -hmm. by the fruit that I see in the, in the outworking of the teaching. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that I'm um, passionate about is saying that, that teaching the gospel over and over mm -hmm is one of the calls of the church. And I think what happens so many times is churches start to teach all kinds of things other than the gospel that become central to the identity of each group. Mm. Uh, so, you know, we're the church that, and then you fill in the blank. We believe this, we practice this, we do this. And I don't think that's bad, but I think that, that what happens soon is that becomes your identity more than the mm. gospel. We're the church that has the right view on baptism. We're the church that has the right view on gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're the church that cares about the poor. We're the church that cares about evangelism. We're the church that, and, and what happens in time is, is that then becomes your rubric. And you say, well, aren't I then just, just getting you know, influenced by where I'm at? Absolutely. And that's why I say, take a step back and say, what does the church, what's the fruit of the church that I'm identifying with? But then in your identification, you're starting to say, now I'm letting the community that I'm part of shape, shape mm -hmm. my views yeah. as well. Yeah. So uh, Brady, here's a, a, another question. My brother is not a Christian. In fact, he's very hostile to any conversation that involves church or God. I've been overwhelmed by the thought of him not accepting Jesus. What do I do? And is praying for him enough? Hmm. Well, I really respect that question. 
And uh, first of all, I would say my heart goes out to you. Um, and, and I wouldn't shy away from that feeling because I, I would say that God has burdened you um, with the people who don't know Jesus, and in this case, your brother. Um, I've had friends and family members uh, who have rejected Jesus up at least until this point in their lives. And it, it literally almost makes you sick to think about what is, what is the destiny of a person who rejects Jesus. Um, and so my, my heart would say, keep praying for that person. Um, sometimes we say, oh, is prayer enough? Well, prayer is often one of the ways that God responds and, and interacts in a person's life. And you can look throughout the scriptures and in the gospels and what Jesus said is Jesus encourages us to keep praying that God responds to prayer, sometimes not in the timing that we would uh, like and desire, um, but my encouragement would be to keep praying. Uh, keep praying that God would give you opportunities to speak in a way that is gracious, in a way that would maybe soften your brother's heart, or um, I would encourage you to pray for other people in your brother's life, uh, maybe a coworker or a friend or a, uh, a girlfriend who might also be able to point them to Jesus. Um, the Apostle Paul uh, often would write, and I, I don't know what, how you get to this point, but it would so break his heart that his own uh, people would reject Jesus that he even went as far as to say, I wish that I would be cut off so that you might believe. And that is, that is amazing. I don't know what it would take to get to that kind of point. Um, but I would also say for as much as it breaks your heart for your brother, um, it breaks the heart of God even more. Um, God says in his word that he desires that none would perish and that all would come to eternal life. And so just know that you, your heart beats with the heart of the Father and with Jesus to say that I desire that your brother would come to know me and live a life that makes much of me. So that would be my, my encouragement and to keep praying and not give up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, there's a few things that, that seem important to me in this, in this um, question. One is I would, I, I would concur that, that it's a uh, intensely charged emotional issue. And, and I want to speak not so much to the person who asked this question. Uh, I think Brady did a great job of just saying, hey, heart breaks for you. Here's some things to think about. But I want to speak kind of more broadly because I think there's a tendency in the evangelical church to soft pedal the idea of eternal destinies and to, and to not actually live with that as a reality that, that it's appointed to a person once to die, Hebrews 9, 27, and after this comes judgment, that, that we will all stand before God and that only those who've trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior should have any degree of confidence. And, and what has largely happened is because that's a disturbing, distasteful doctrine in our world today, uh, the evangelical church soft pedals that on a whole. And so I, I applaud the, the questioner just for saying, I don't want to soft pedal this. This is this is heart-wrenching to think about. But I also want to just say this, and that is um, we certainly can understand what people believe by what they say, but not always. And what I mean by that is, is when I've had an occasion to speak at a funeral where somebody has, has not been a professed follower of Jesus, I never want to put them into the kingdom falsely to try to give hope. But I also don't want to assume that I know. And what I mean by that is sometimes people will say one thing and it's almost like they're trying out a belief and they don't necessarily even mean what they say. 
And I'm not saying that we have to suspect all kinds of things, but what I'm saying is leave the ultimate judgment to God. Do your best to say, I'm going to pray for and point my, my loved one toward Jesus, but the ultimate judgment's with God, and I can take some comfort in that. And, and here's maybe just a goofy example of this. I'm a football fan and a lifelong Green Bay Packer fan first because I grew up in northern Wisconsin. And, uh, and now I'm a Steeler fan as well because I live here in Pittsburgh and have for, you know, 15 years, almost uh, 14 years. And, uh, and so, you know, I like the Steelers. So when the subject comes up of who is the great quarterback of, you know, this generation, um, I will argue all day long against Tom Brady being the greatest quarterback of this generation. Now, do I really believe that? I don't actually know. But I just have a knee-jerk reaction to wanting the Patriots uh, to not get any more credit because of how they've beat the Steelers down in recent years. And I want Aaron Rodgers to get the credit, or Brett Favre, not Tom Brady. So I'll argue. Now, now, now do I really believe that? I don't know. If he really pushed me, I might say, that guy's pretty good. Um, but I argue. And, and so sometimes what happens in, in relationships and in family dynamics and in different things is somebody will be like, that's your thing. You're the Christian. I'm going to argue against it. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's something internal and they'll argue against it. But, but down deep, there still might be a conviction. And I'm so thankful that, that I can't be the arbiter of who is a follower of Jesus or who's mm-hmm. saved, who's going to have eternal with Je- eternity in heaven with Jesus and who isn't, that that's God's domain. And so I I would just say, take a step back. I I mean, pray, point them to Jesus, um, be concerned for the eternal destiny, but then take a step back and say, God, this is your thing. I don't know the heart. I don't know what, what they see. I only know what they say and it doesn't appear from what they say that it's what they believe, but I don't know. And I need to leave room for God in there somewhere. Now, don't mishear me on that. I'm not saying that that God saves people in spite of a public profession or you know, against a public profession. But what I'm just saying is, is know that there is something in the heart that God judges that's very different than, than what we see. And sometimes, especially in a family, people will argue for reasons we don't even know, um, and it may not reflect their actual faith. Um, now, having said that, yes, whoever denies Jesus um, is denying the father. I mean, I, I fully believe all of that and would say, therefore, that's why we want to push people to come to a point of public profession of faith because that, that is a tell, mm. but it isn't everything. Um, and God is, is able to see what you and I can't see. Mm. So, uh, so Brady, uh, any um, last uh, thoughts just as you, as a pastor and a Christian, a follower of Jesus, uh, what would you just just say as as a word of encouragement to somebody who's watching a podcast, trying to figure out about Jesus in their own life? Any last thoughts? Yeah, well, if it, it's related to that last question, um, I remember when I was maybe 15 years ago, I had an aunt um, who didn't believe in Jesus. Uh, she had another faith and wanted to raise her children uh, in that particular faith. And at the time as a you know, 15 years ago, and, you know, I thought, what, what can I do to br- bring her into the kingdom? And so I, I wrote her a note uh, and said I was praying for her and for her kids, and I thought, God, you must be proud of this. This is what you'd, you'd want to do. And I remember her response was very tepid and essentially offended and basically threw the note away. And my heart just sank and, and broke. Um, 
And if, if that's where you've been, I, I just want to say and encourage you, uh, sometimes Jesus did not get the response that he always wanted. In fact, Scripture says that sometimes Jesus didn't perform certain miracles because of people's lack of faith and belief. And as you said, Kurt, one day all of us will stand before God, and we can pray, and we can work, uh, but ultimately God is the one who's in control. Uh, God is the only one who can soften hearts, and God calls us out of response to what he's done to be faithful and obedient and ultimately yeah. leave the results up to him. Yeah, yeah, and I would add one more thing, just especially to the situation of trying to bring somebody toward faith, mm -hmm. and that is it's important to love people regardless of their decision. Mm -hmm. um, because sometimes I think what, what happens is people say, well, you just want to convert me. Mm -hmm. And if you convert me, then you'll love me. And if you don't convert me, but, but that feels conditional. Mm. And so, you know, when somebody says, hey, what about my brother who doesn't believe? Yeah, pray for them, um, love them, regardless mm. of what they do, and, and then leave it to God. Mm. And, and that's ultimately, uh, I think, all we can do. Yeah. So. so thank you. Again, if you have questions, send them to askapastor at orchardhillchurch.com, and we will be happy to interact with them in the days ahead.